Pandemic, This Nebulous Landscape by Heather Plett Nebulous, adjective, hazy, vague, indistinct, or confused, cloudy or cloud-like, of or resembling a nebula or nebulae in deep space, nebular. When the lockdown is over, I will go back to the float spa. When I climb into that white pod, turn off the lights and music, and lie down to float in the warm salt water, I will drift away into a nebulous field where there are no edges, no beginning and no end, no division between water, air, and body. I will be once again an astronaut who's climbed out of the spaceship and is floating in zero gravity. Sometimes, as I float into semi-consciousness, I wonder if the umbilical cord that tethers astronaut to ship is still holding me, or if I'm floating in the ether alone without it. Surprisingly, it's never an anxious thought, just a curiosity. The floating feels good and safe and free. Nebulous. My life became less and less tethered this year. I am beginning to float more. My youngest daughter graduated from high school. My oldest graduated from university. All three are perched on the edge of the nest, ready to fly off into broader spaces. They are loosening their tethers to the mothership. They make plans. They speak of new lives in new cities for when the pandemic no longer holds them here. And in the meantime, my relationship with them shapeshifts into something new. What happens, I wonder, to the mothership when the astronauts no longer need the tether, when they have found other people, other places in which to anchor? Does the mothership take flight too? Does she become young again and drift off into unexplored territories, waving at her children as she passes? Or does she simply become one with the void, untethered? My body of work is finding ways to become less tethered to me as well. A new business partner is tending to many of the threads that keep the work grounded. She waves me along as I float further and further away from the ground into new spaces, new ideas. Go, explore, she says, as I put on my spacesuit and open the spaceship door. My teaching work, too, holds me down less and less. New teachers come in behind me, they hold the space I once held, and they infuse it with new energy and new wisdom. My voice, while still needed, is now part of a chorus and no longer a solo act. I have new freedom to float into uncharted territory. My book, too, has untethered itself from me. Like cells splitting to grow into organisms, the words that once belonged to me and were only on my screen replicated themselves thousands of times in digital and print form and landed in homes and hearts and classrooms and libraries all over the world. Those replicated versions pass from hand to hand without me, untethered to me, living lives of their own. They hold a memory of me, the stories of me, but grow into other things, plant seeds for new ideas without me, some even in languages I don't speak. Go, explore, they say as I climb out of the spaceship door, floating. I wonder about this virus, 
tiny, invisible, floating through the air from body to body, untethered and free to roam, no umbilical cord holding it in place. If we could anthropomorphize it, give it a mind, a voice, and a purpose, what would it tell us? I want to kill you? Or I want to wake you up? Or I want to thrive? Probably simply, I'm just doing what I'm meant to do, find ways to live. Would it teach us how to live? Teach us how to thrive? Teach us how to be present and mindful and connected and interdependent? Would it teach us how to protect each other, to be less selfish, to work together toward a common purpose? Or would it scoff at us for the many ways we refuse to change and the many ways we give it easy access to bodies in which to grow and pathways in which to travel? Unbound. I find myself drawn to the darkness this winter. I go for long walks on snow-covered paths, long after the sun has set, after all of the neighbors have headed indoors. I walk quiet streets and venture further and further into shadowy parks and unlit paths through the woods. The darkness feeds me, nourishes me, wakens me, grounds me. The deer are shadowy ghosts on the frozen river, and one night a nebulous shape moves toward me through the darkness on a quiet street. Is it a dog? A large cat? I don't see clearly until our eyes meet. It is a coyote, darting from shadow to shadow at the edge of the road, claiming the neighborhood when the people are gone. I stand still and breathless and watch the trickster until he disappears into the gray at the edge of my sight. This feels like gift sent from the mothership, a thin place where the veil between heaven and earth dissolves, but only for a moment. Mystical. At the beginning of this pandemic, I was in the Netherlands. Many late nights on Ancestry.com had given me the names of the towns where my ancestors lived centuries ago, back before the torture began, and they had to flee to Germany, to Russia, and then to Canada, always just a breath ahead of their oppressors. Back before they became pariahs before the establishment declared them to be dangerous for their beliefs and the genocidal agenda began. I stood there on those narrow cobblestone streets in little Dutch towns, and I sensed them there with me, behind me, holding me, reminding me. Their DNA still alive in me, their stories, their trauma, waking up in my body after a long slumber. I wondered what it was like to be a refugee, an exile, an outcast. I wondered what it was like to lose your homeland, to become untethered from the place that once nurtured you. I wondered, and yet somehow, I also knew. Ungrounded. When I returned home from my ancestors' homeland, I dug for pieces of me in old boxes in my basement threads connecting me to my past. There, buried in the boxes, on journal pages and letters home to her mother, was the traumatized 22-year-old, lonely and unprotected on her bed, as the rapist climbed through the window and violated her body. 
I cried for her as she poured herself out onto those pages, trying to heal, trying to find wholeness, trying not to be crushed under the weight of what had been done to her. I cried for her shame, her innocence, and the poison she took into her body and tried to disgorge onto the page. I cried for the way she had never been told that her body was worthy, that sex wasn't meant to hurt, that men didn't get to take things from her that she didn't want to give. I ached for the way she'd become untethered, unmoored, ungrounded. Is she still me? Am I still her? Where are the edges between her and I? Where is the line between her trauma and my healing? Or is it all nebulous, without shape, without edges, without beginning or end? When does one give way to the other? Is there a moment when trauma loosens its hold and begins to seep out of a body that wants to heal? Incomplete. I like starry nights, but my favorites right now are the cloudy nights when the snow-covered city is held in a pinkish-gray dome. I can walk forever on those nights, navigating the nebulous landscape, venturing into parks and woodlands that hold too much darkness on starry nights, on the unlit trails between the cathedral spires of leafless trees, I can't see clearly enough to know where the path ends and the deep snow begins. I lean into trust and memory and plant one foot in front of the other, hoping my foot won't sink deeply into untrodden snow. And sometimes, when it's snowing and I return the way I arrived, my half-hour-old footprints are already obliterated. Was I ever there, or was it just an illusion? Do I hold enough substance to even make a mark? I am mostly alone on my nighttime pilgrimages, but one night I meet a couple carrying flashlights that lend glaring light to the ten feet in front of them, but make the void beyond them even darker. I want to ask those people why they spoil the gentle darkness with the light, but I stay silent. I don't want to spoil the gentle stillness with my voice. Instead, I carry on past them deeper into the woods and my eyes readjust to the darkness. Once again, I recognize the nebulous shapes around me as my sturdy and reliable friends, the trees, and sometimes a deer. People ask me if I'm not scared out there alone in the dark. I say, my safety was taken from me at home in my own bed. Out there in the woods is not where my demons live. Obscure. I am in a new relationship now. No, not new, evolved, shape-shifted. Once a friendship, now more. Intimacy, care, intention, listening, exploration, holding, Touching, but only for fleeting moments. We are hundreds of miles apart, and there is a pandemic in the gap between us, so we cancel plans to spend time together, and instead we grow a relationship in the nebulous digital spaces where there is no third dimension, only flat video images and words on a screen. We long for more shape, less nebulousness, 
But the pandemic stands as a sentry at the gate, guarding the gap between us. We each stay tethered to our own cities. What is the shape of love when bodies can't collide? How do we become tethered when there is no touch and miles of space between you? What does that make us? What do we call ourselves? Shapeless. In my basement is a large canvas. At the beginning of the pandemic, when fear and confusion and overwhelm and grief were the ingredients of the soup we were all swimming in, I threw paint at the void of that canvas and then dove in with my hands, smearing the paint around in swirls and nebulous shapes. Waves of emotion came through me as I painted, layer upon layer of paint applied only with my hands. Catharsis, release, deconstruction. In the months since then, that canvas calls me back again and again. I layer on more and more paint, always obliterating whatever took shape the last time I stood in front of it. Each time I visit it, it evolves into something different than it was before. The canvas receives it all, my anger, my disappointment, my sadness, my joy, my fear, my love, and it blends it all together in swirls of color. I am reminded that there are only blurred lines between my emotions, and no single feeling speaks of only one truth. Blurred. My identity is reshaping itself in this nebulous time. Author, business partner, I add those like layers of paint on the canvas to the evolving shape of who I am, who I was, and who I am becoming. I wonder if my ancestors knew when I stood on their land at the beginning of this year the shape of who I'd be centuries after they died. I wonder how their identity is still alive in me, how I am tethered to them, how they witness me, if they do, from the beyond, on the other side of the thin place. I wonder what stories DNA would tell, if we could give them voices too, like the virus. Would they sing ancestral songs of triumph and resilience? Would they chant laments in memory of the pain? Would they whisper to us as they shape us into who we are, the secrets of the hard-won wisdom woven into them by those they shaped before us? Ephemeral. My son once floated in the nebulous space in my womb, tethered to the mothership, nourished through my umbilical cord, I wonder what he thought while he floated. Did he feel safe like I do in the float tank? Did he dream of the day the cord would loosen and allow him to begin to explore the world? Or did he want to stay in there where he was safe for as long as he could with me? But then, before his body had grown enough to support his journey outside of me, the membrane that held that space for him was violently torn by a doctor trying to protect him, and he was left exposed. The fluid that he'd floated in drained from my body, like a leak in the float tank. He tried to survive, and for weeks he did, but then one night a tiny bacteria, harmless in me but dangerous in him, as tiny as the virus that is now killing thousands, entered his once protected space and snuffed out his unborn life. I wonder where he is now. 
Is he with the ancestors on the other side of the thin place, watching, witnessing, floating? And is he telling them about the shape of me from the inside where he once lived? I wonder what secrets his DNA whispered into my body before he floated away. Fluid. And now perhaps something else uncovered in the shape of who I am. Neurodivergent? My daughters, both diagnosed with ADHD, point toward me and say, You too, Mum. They see the patterns I don't yet see. They point to the ways my brain works like theirs. They witness the places I fumble, forget, and get distracted. And they also see the ways I triumph, adapt, and fight to thrive. They guide me into seeing myself anew. Who am I if I have ADHD? And what does it change in me if I fit into this unknown and yet familiar shape? And there is one more layer of paint emerging in this nebulous year. Or perhaps an old layer once submerged, now being revealed. My new relationship. It's with a woman. She sits on the other side of my video screen, tethered to her city, separated by miles and a pandemic. Who does that make me now? Lesbian? Bisexual? Queer? Shapeshifter? Who was I then and who am I now? Or am I simply floating in the ether, searching for a new tether that offers the safety and belonging I wasn't sure I'd know? Does it matter what I call myself? Or her? Do I need my identity tethered to a word? Perhaps I do, if only to acknowledge the courage and resilience of those who came before and cleared the way so that I could float here now in a safer place unidentified. I am finding that I want to play with words the way I play with paint on the canvas. I want to swirl them around with my hands, squish them with my fingers, blur them together, and make nebulous shapes in the chaos. After long months of arranging words into sentences, sentences into paragraphs, paragraphs into chapters, chapters into a book, and all of it into meaning, I want to remove the boxes, remove the form, remove even the meaning, let the words float. And what am I left with then, if the words flow like the paint from my hands onto a blank pages? What do I hold if there is no shape, if there are no answers, if there is no meaning, if it is all nebulous, liminal? And perhaps this is what the pandemic offers, this nebulous space in which to float, this way of being that is less tethered to doing and completing and resolving, these long solitary walks in shadowy places that change the shape of who we are, that blur the edges of who we encounter, that give us new identity and new connection to the spaces we're in. This liminal landscape that allows us to transform, to shapeshift, to blur the edges, to become something new, to reclaim something old, to be reminded of who we already are. Perhaps this is what the virus would say if it could. Just be.